And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 163, presented by our good friends over at FanDuel. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. We're doing this on uh, Thursday afternoon. Excited because the NFL kicks off on Thursday night. NHL training camp begins very soon. Uh, and it is, it, it's the best, I think it's one of the best times of year for sports. You just have so much going on. Um, and uh, I'm I'm very excited for uh, the first football game. You ha- have already seen it and and know what happened. We don't know yet. So hell of a game by the the Chiefs. Uh, real a lot a lot of balls thrown in the air. Uh, so yes. uh, yeah, that's that's bold my take. takeaway from the game. Bold bold take. Uh, but a little piece of Bruins news dropped on uh, I think it was Tuesday. Yes. Uh, Danton Heinen signed on a professional tryout. Uh, and, uh, the old PTO for Heinen, obviously an old friend of the Bruins, uh, drafted by them was with, uh, was with the Bruins for a few years, had some good runs, 17, 18, 18, 19, uh, was dealt to Anaheim for, uh, that was the Nick Ritchie trade, wasn't it? Sure. Sure was. So a legendary trade for a legendary player, a legend for legend, as they say. Yes. Uh, but he is he is back on a PTO. Uh, what is your initial take? Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of follows along the same thing we've said all along, that the Bruins are, and Don Sweeney are leaving no stone on turn when it comes to finding forward depth. And again, when you have this limited cap space, you got to find value any way you can, right? And I think when you look at Heinen um, and what he brings, like he's not – He's kind of the same player he was when he was here, which, I mean, you look, he had a, almost a 50-point year. He had a really good year in 2018-19 as the guy next to Charlie Coyle in that third line. Like, he has value. He may not be flashy, and he can be really inconsistent in terms of his scoring, but he's a guy that is solid on both ends of the ice, can do a lot, really versatile, can play left or right wing. Um, obviously, he has familiarity in this system, knows Jim Montgomery from uh, their time together in University of Denver. Um, Denver. So – it. Uh, so How about that I, NHL I, Network I, hit? Uh, letter on the sweater. You had to know that was coming. I mean, my I, goodness. I, as soon as I said it, I was like, um, I am, I am up the creek. But alas, I digress. Because well, you um, know that a, a a very professional broadcaster on NHL Network, who you know has a professional broadcast voice, is going to immediately be like, "That's a Boston accent." You know, just yes. bam, had it. Yes. So I loved it. I thought it was great. If that little character to the to the to the radio and video and TV spots when you can, um, but no, I, I think Heinen, right? You look at what the Bruins, what their restrictions are in terms of cap space, in terms of what they could do. They can't go out there and sign a couple of guys for three million a year. You got to kind of search through all your different options, and if Heinen can stick with this team and sign a cheap deal out of camp, and he brings. 25, 30 points, plays a solid two-way game. If you're looking for just guys in the lineup to plug in and play, there's value there. Again, we've, we've mentioned this before. The Bruins essentially have to money ball this year. You've got to find guys that you can plug in, can give you – it's almost like you look at the different play styles. If you want to look at straight production, you need to find guys that can give you 25 points here, 30 points here. James and Reams, like, we're like, if you can get 10, 15, 20 net front goals there, he's doing his job in terms of what he's plugged into at what he's being paid, it's well worth it. So, um, again, not surprising. I, I was kind of surprised, honestly, that Heinen was still on the market because he's still a guy that um, has value, even if he's not flashy. Had a really good first year with Pittsburgh, right? I think he had a new career high with 
18 goals, really dropped off last year. He was in more of a fourth-line role, but you would think he would land somewhere just in terms of his versatility and his resume. Again, not a guy that really pops necessarily, but over a full season, he can cover out a role, can give you 30 points at the minimum over a full season if he's in there and engaged. So um, can't hurt, I think, for the Bruins, right? Uh, I think you look at a guy like Chiasson, who has a lot of value, I think, Hein probably has even more because a lot of his production when it's out there is at five on five play. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think it can hurt at all. I think you look at just all the different ways you could possibly help this team on a PTO deal. And if he sticks, it's going to be a cheap deal anyway. You got to search all your options if you're the Bruins right now. So I, I'm kind of surprised by this because he, he's been on the market for a long time. The Bruins know him well. I mean, there's this guy who was developed here, brought up here. Montgomery knows him from Denver. Like, this seems like someone that would get locked up by the Bruins on a PTO, like either when Chason did or before that. I mean, this seems like a guy that you would kind of get on quick unless they unless Heinen and his uh, group were holding out for uh, a, con- a a real contract and they were holding out to sort of the start of the season. In that case, my take, my next take kind of goes out the window, but if that's, if that's not the case, if the, if Heinen has just been sitting there for this entire time, what changed? You have a lot in the bottom six. You have a lot of veteran depth. You've gone out and got, gone out and signed Patrick Brown, Jesper Boquist, chase on, um, you know, geeky, uh, Lucic, you have Greer, you have a lot of these younger guys that are about to come up, Beecher, McLaughlin, Merkulov. I mean, you have a lot, Lysel you can throw in there. And it seemed like you had a lot there. And I understand wanting to kind of get everybody in. But doesn't this smell like, eh, do they believe in their young guys? Like, did something change where they're feeling on, whether it be Beecher, McLaughlin stepping in as a as a full-time uh, NHLer, um, you know, Merkulov even throw in there. Like, did something change where they say, you know what, maybe this young guy route isn't going to work. Maybe, maybe this, they need, maybe, I'm speaking as the Bruins, maybe we need more reliable pieces in that bottom six that can potentially pop. Or not pop, but, you know, stick. Whereas, you know, you're going to have growing pains with Beecher. You're going to have growing pains with McLaughlin. Most likely, you will not have growing pains with, with Dan and Heinen. Um, yeah. Is he going to put up the points he did in 2018-19? Probably not. But I don't know. I'm just curious what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you can kind of look at it two different ways. I think, one, obviously, you look at just how many guys they have in contention for middle six, especially bottom six spots. It's going to be... Uh, goddamn like bar fight to get you know carve out a role there <laughs> hunger which, again, games fall, yeah which falls in line with every year every training camp you hear the same thing from the bruins internal competition uh fighting for those spots and you kind of let the the best players rise to the occasion so does not you know make sense of this team that doesn't have a lot of sure things further down the lineup is again leaving no stone unturned in terms of seeing how a guy like heinen can hit a guy like chaos on a guy like uh you know, Patrick Brown, younger players as well. So I think that's part of it in terms of just having all these different options available. And then when I look at the younger players and the role, I think, you know, you see people push back at the fact that this is probably the year to see if these guys have it. But I think for the Bruins, it's two different things. It's one, you don't want to just give a spot to a guy, right? Which again, you can if you're the Arizona Coyotes and you're fine with them rolling through the the bad parts. Like if, if, you know, Fabian Lysel was in Arizona, hell, maybe he's already up in the lineup and, you know, the the flaws in his game that he needs to iron out, which are expected, right? There's stuff of, you know, his defensive game, effort at times, some lapses there. 
happens to every young player. Uh, teams like the Coyotes or other teams that are very far away from contention roll with the punches in those regards, right? The Bruins, not to say that they are a true top-tier contender, but they still think they're competitive. And I think you'd rather have them iron clearly, out they, they Clearly they do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you. I think they'd rather have him go through those punches and go through those growing pains down in Providence if it's available. And again, I think for them it's kind of the same with like Lauko last year where – uh, I forgot about him too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he add him to the mix as well. Like, it's one of those things where they don't want to make it easy for these guys to seize these roles. You have to leapfrog other players, established players to get that spot. Which, if you're, you know, for you could view it as some of these younger players are like, shit, all right, like, framed all offseason and feeling good, but like, goddamn, there's four guys in front of me. But from the opposite, you know, the different side of the same token, the Bruins probably like, well, the guys we want are the guys that are like, you know, screw this. I'm still going to leapfrog all these other guys out there. I'm going to force the Bruins' hand in terms of having them wave maybe a guy they signed or two just to make a carve out a spot for me. So I think the Bruins are approaching that mentality in terms of these younger guys. are not going to have anything handed to them. Um, but also I think when you have guys like Heinen or um, Boquist or some of these other guys, it also, as you said, you, you mentioned it, gives you some insurance. It's one thing to, I think – People get excited when it's like, all right, we're going into the year. Pencil Murky Lovin, Pencil Lysel, let's see what these guys got. What if you're in uh, uh, October 28th and Lysel has one goal and one assist in 11 games? And, you know, these guys are – and, again, that that's not to say that over that first stretch, if he was in the lineup and struggling, that's an indictment on him and what he's going to be. But if you're the Bruins and you have these other options you can turn to, it just gives you some added insurance in terms of not putting these guys in the spots where either they're not ready or they're not feeling good about their games at that point. So if you have to turn to a guy like Hyman, who's been in the system, is an established player for what he brings, and you can turn to him as opposed to maybe putting a guy who's not ready yet, I think the Bruins would much rather do that and throw a guy into the fire. Yeah, and I also think, just as you said, they're content- they're, they still believe they're a contender. By the way, I still think this roster contends. I'm not saying that they're not, but our kind of view of it this offseason has been like, Let's see what these kids can do. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not saying like just let the bottom six be all kids, but you know, I don't know. There's a lot in front of guys like McLaughlin and Beecher and and Merkulov and Lauko. Like, and again, yes, it is their job. They have to they have to beat out and they have to be good enough to not just beat other teams, but they have to beat out Patrick Brown and Jesper Bokus. I mean, if you can't beat out those guys, how the hell are you gonna, you know? beat up against other teams and how are you going to win those line matchups? I completely agree. But I just think that for those guys, I don't know if it's demoralizing or not that it's like, Oh, another guy gets added in front of me in line. Um, And I also wonder like, what does it say about the coaching staff or not, you know, the coaching staff, but the front office, like, do they believe that these young guys are, you know, like we've watched Beecher down Providence for, you know, a little while here. We've watched Merkulov for a season uh, McLaughlin uh, has been down there for a full, you know, his first full season. So obviously, yes, we kind of turbocharge things and good things take time. I get that. But I'm wondering if the front office thinks like, oh, maybe, maybe they aren't ready or maybe they're not, you know, ever going to be ready. I'm not saying that they do believe that, but getting a guy mm-hmm. like Heinen in, um, certainly, I mean, again, he's a proven guy. That's It goes through how bad the market is. I mean, that's a guy that a couple of years ago should be getting a two or three year contract somewhere. Um, as a depth option, this offseason, obviously not the case, which brings me to this point. I, so I told at Jack, I think his name is Jack at JJ Hockey on Twitter. Jared, excuse me, my, my bad. Jared at JJ Hockey underscore 15 on Twitter asked us, uh, you know, is it, it would Heinen now factor into your bottom six? Because 
we mentioned uh, who are projected bottom sixes um, on Bruins beat. And I think he does. I, I, I like, I don't envision a world in which he doesn't at least like on paper to start um, kind of going into training camp. And I mean, he could factor in even to like the third line. If you really like, if you really like, that's where he kind of fits more. I mean, you could in a, you know, in a perfect world, you could have, uh, Heinen, Geeky, Frederick as a line. Like that's not, yeah. that's not a bad line. So yeah, but then yeah. again, that pushes Lauko or whomever would be that third guy on that third line that pushes them down. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I think his versatility, he's a guy that has played all throughout the lineup before and has had success. I mean, how he even like was playing with like Brad Marchand at one point and like looked pretty solid there. Not to say that, not to pull another Frederick up in the top line, but like, you know, he can do those. Different I'm just roles. joking. Like, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But like he, he has proven that in the past. Right. And I think having just when you have so much your, your lineup in flux and you don't really know where exactly guys are going to slot in, having a guy like kind of if he hits again, like he could not put together a good showing during the preseason. Maybe he's just not, you know, cut out for this team. But if he plays the way we've seen him play before and has that versatility, you're probably more comfortable with a guy like him than a Cheyosan or a Boquist. So you kind of know what you're getting, and you know that if need be, you can push him up the lineup for a game or two. Not to say, again, that he's a top-six guy, but he can kind of slot all across the lineup. He was a useful kind of Swiss Army knife in that regard during his time here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think third line could be a spot he could definitely play for. Like, there's some int- you know intriguing options there. If you have a guy like Kiki, Frederick, Heinen, as you said, like, is that like the highest ceiling line in terms of scoring? No, but like, again, I don't think ever wherever you put him, he's a detriment to your team, right? Unless you've got, no. unless you've got like a guy like myself who's lighting it up or something like that. And you have that in terms of deciding what the higher ceiling is or what have you. Like we, we know what Hyman's ceiling is and maybe it's not the, the greatest, but in terms of a floor is a responsible two-way guy that can do the little things to help out your line, he, d- he still does bring that. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many touchdowns Mac Jones is going to throw this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many wins the Bruins are going to have in 2023-24. Go for it. You can do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus in President Mass, first online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call one 800 gam one, two, three, four. NFL Sunday ticket offer and September 18th, 2023. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. 
YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. And it's interesting in terms of uh, ceiling, in terms of if you wanted to put a bottom six line together that could score the most possible goals. Um, I don't know. Heinen might factor in. It's, I think Heinen would be a fit. But you know where Heinen used to fit fairly well next to? Charlie Coyle. And <laughs> that's interesting. I don't know. So that's why I think that, again, Heinen makes the most sense on paper to start, again, as you said. Heinen could come into training camp in the preseason and be useless. You know, I mean, he might not might not have it. You know, I mean, like that could easily be the case. I'm not like putting it, penciling him in yet or anything. I'm just saying on paper that makes the most sense. But I mean, that's another guy who could vie for potentially the top six. Now, you, you know, the listeners are probably going, my God, then this team's going to be not so great. <laughs> but again, just factor in environment he was once comfortable in and was developed in. Uh, head coach was his coach in college and he was very good at Denver. I know it's college. It's very, very a different game. So I'm not like comparing the two. I'm not going to say like, oh, he had like 91 points, whatever. He's going to go crazy under Montgomery. But you have that familiarity. And, you know, again, the Bruins like two-way guys. And that's a two-way guy. And if you suddenly like, uh, you know, if Jake DeBrus goes down during the season or if Van Riemsdyk doesn't work out, and they have to reshuffle the lines or something and you want kind of a better two-way guy who uh, can keep up. That's a guy who could potentially uh, be that. So that's another way of like, oh, that's an interesting, you know, one out there, you know, with with Coyle. Um, again, I'm not saying he's not in my top six, but I'm just saying like, oh, yeah, that's could maybe work. I don't know if it worked out. I'm curious to see, though, how Heinen looks and um, and what he can bring. But an interesting ad, an interesting ad. I forgot yeah. he was still on the market. Yeah. Um, so uh, good for him, by the way. Good for him for getting a chance and uh here in boston and again i think it, you know wouldn't surprise me if this was like a montgomery push like hey we should we should get heinen in here because you know they have that experience together and yeah. again as we've said if young guys are in the lineup there might, you know there's some unpredictability there you know what you're getting with heinen and i think montgomery yeah. probably wants that a lot going into the season yeah and again worst case if it doesn't work out it's a PTO. Like people were like, "Yes, how is he still doing here?" And it's like it's a PTO. Like if he doesn't work out, if he doesn't hit, or he doesn't pop in preseason action, or what have you, yeah, you, you move on. You don't, you're not, you know. And again, even if he does sign, it's gonna be pretty cheap. Bruins don't have a lot of cap space right now, no, so they like, don't. they'd have to make some things work. So again, if he impresses enough to sign a one-year deal at league minimum or eight fifty or you know what what have you, then. Uh, that's a, that's a good problem to have of having a guy who impressed in the preseason and then signing a dirt cheap deal for what he can probably provide you. I think the only downside you can really come out of this with in the, in like now is, oh, it's more guys for, you know, it's more kind of a log jam in the, in the bottom six, but that, I, I, that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm just saying for the younger guys, I mean, at some point we do want to see what these younger guys have. But if they're not ready, you want pieces there that are ready. Because, again, like, you know, we talked about this with uh, with Montgomery saying James Van Riemsdyk is going to be in the top six. Like, that's a reliable guy. You know, I mean, we were mentioning Frederick as, hey, see what you got. But clearly, they're not going to at least start out with that route. Um, mm -hmm. So, again, Heinen's a proven guy in this league who you can rely upon in the bottom six. Is he going to light up score sheet? No. But is he going to be responsible to zone end and contribute offensively? Yes. At least that's what he was last time he was here and in, in the last couple of years. 
Um, captain's practice. First one was, was Tuesday. I believe there's one today as well. Right. Yes. I have that correct. Yep. Um, so, uh, you better rush out to go. It's, it's today. You gotta you move, go, get out of here. Go, 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 go to it. Um, I'll be at Mount St. Charles. So that'll be my, uh, that'll be my Friday. Um, but one thing was clear from the first captain's practice, uh, and that is Brad Marchand, uh, at least definitely should be the next captain and kind of feels like he probably is going to be the next captain. Yeah. I still think it just makes the most sense in terms of, again, I, I can see the rationale for a guy who's maybe younger, who you can keep the C on them for longer, like a Johnny McAvoy or a Pasternak or what have you. But, um, I just think you look at just Martian and what he represents. 14 years here, leads by example, has done that in the past, uh, was more or less Bergeron's understudy in terms of learning from him, kind of staple to his hip for over a decade. Um, you even saw during last year uh, in the playoffs against the Pandas, of course, yes, you don't win that series, but he was kind of more or less the de facto captain when you didn't have Bergeron and Krejci out there. Leading by example, bringing guys into the fight, but also not taking dumb penalties and walking away from some scrums where I think in years past when he was, you know, not necessarily at the the top of the list in terms of leaders, he would get involved in that. Like, I think he's more cognizant of that. Like, it's not to say that he's going to be winning the Lady Bing or anything like that if he's captain. Like, he'll still, he can still run hot at times, but I think he's very cognizant of what those responsibilities are as a leader. Um, and, you know, he mentioned... He's not thinking about the captaincy and and who uh, who wear it, but he said whoever it is, it's going to be a collective effort. Very captainly, uh, captain like answer from him. A very democratic answer there in terms of collective effort. But he kind of mentioned that you know as much as it's you know guys like Bergeron and Chara held so much uh, sway over that dressing room. There were so many other guys who were established leaders and veterans, regardless of whether they had a. A, a letter on their sweater. So whether it's guys like, <laughs> um, you know, the Ferences, the the Thorntons, the Reckies, obviously, but and then the Felinos, all you know, Bacchus, all these players, um, they're still going to have an established group of guys who've been here for a while. Whether it's McAvoy, Pasternak, Carlo, Coyle, all these players. So uh, for you know what Martian more or less mapped out is the captain's going to be the guy that sets the tone, sets the message, but everyone has to buy into it. Um, and I think you look at what he's done over the years, how much I think he takes to heart, what Bergeron did and, and what that responsibility responsibility lies on whoever it is that's kind of leading the way in that locker room. It's something I think he would really be a, a, a good fit for. And I think I talked about this before uh, on a podcast, but I think for him, as much as he's very much like stay focused, lead by example, you know, get your shit done. Um, uh, as a guy who also rose to the system as like a fourth line scrappy guy, I think he has a lot of not empathy, but he knows what some of these younger players had to fight through to get to that, get to those spots. He's the guy that whenever they have dev camp, he's usually the guy that sets the tone on the first day of camp, setting the message in terms of what these guys need to do. So even though maybe he's a little bit different in terms of his approach from a guy like Bergeron, um, that intensity, that strive to, you know, be excellent, to hone your craft, to take, uh, you know, what you have in your role, uh, make sure you don't take it for granted. I think he makes the most sense, even if it's, you know, even at his age, if it's a couple years with the C on his, uh, on his Jersey, I mean, Bergeron had it for three years as well. Right. Like, I don't think, I think when you're looking at bridging that gap, sticking with the guy who's kind of that last bastion of this kind of chapter you had here for over, you know, 
15 plus years, I think he makes the most sense. Yeah, don't overthink this. I, I, you know, I said this back when, uh, when Bergeron retired. Like, Martian's been here the, you know, the longest. He understands it. He's part of the core. Like, everything you said gets it. Competitor sets the tone. Different than Bergeron. Different than Chara. Um, obviously, yes, he's had his stuff in the past, but like, I don't know. This is an easy pick. I think it should be, and I think it will be. I don't. I don't think they're going to overthink this. Um, McAvoy and Poshak could be great captains down the road. I'm not saying that they're not, but you have a guy like Marshand here, who's been, you know, a cornerstone of the franchise for 14 years here. Like, I, I think it's pretty clear. Um, and as I've said in the past, like if you're not going to make him captain, then you got to look good and hard at what his future is here, and if it's if it should be here or somewhere else, and you get pieces for him. Because he should be the next captain, um, and I'm not saying trade him because I'm because I want to. I'm saying like like you literally like if you're, if you're not gonna make him the captain, like gotta do something. Um, yeah. So again, I think he should be the next captain. I don't think that should be that hard of a decision. Um, I'm curious when that comes out, how they announce it. It's gonna be something fun. If it's him, it's gotta be something fun. I think if there was like McAvoy or Poshnok, they'd just be like, oh, we're announcing them as the next captain. People, you know, they wouldn't do like a. Maybe they do the same thing with Martian where they give him the C and then they're like, ah, yes, just kidding. Like the Bergeron one. Um, yes. But I think they do something similar. They have to. The content team over there is very creative. So I would hope they, uh, they come up with something good for uh, if and when they announce him as the next captain. But uh, anyways, Connor, what could people look forward to from you over at Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we finally got past the uh, the off season. We're, we're now starting the preseason. So whether it's... Doldrums uh, are done. Stuff, the doldrum is done. God. So whether it's captain's practices, you have the golf tournament next week, or we talk to a few more guys, we're going to slowly start ramping things up here finally before we get to uh, training camp, which I believe is, I think, like the 19th or 20th, I want to say. I don't get set in stone yet, but it's around then. So we're not very far away from it, um, building towards it. We're going to be covered with stuff in the days leading up to it, obviously. So please read all of our stuff over at boston.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at ConorRyan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You're presented by FanDuel. You poke the bear listeners of a great rest of your week. (laughs) 